Well, I can't even say how excited I am to have this guest here today. Uh, Dan Redfield, is that how you say it? Yep. Uh, we've known each other, I'd say, at least 10 years just through social media. I know that seems crazy to say, but... It does seem crazy to say. But that's when Chelsea and I were playing volleyball, or softball together, and we met through yeah. softball. Wow. And yeah. so, yeah, we've been at least friends via social media for the last 10 years. Um, but I will say that it, I am so grateful that you said yes when I reached out because I reached out because I like having people on that are doing really cool and neat things and have a story to say. And I think that all that to be said is that I wanted to have you on because you, there's just a light about you. And from what I know, when I've seen your life over the last 10 years, that impresses me in many ways. And maybe I'm not one that cares that it should be impressed, but I think it's really cool and I really want people to hear your story. Yeah, thank you. I, I don't accept praises very well. So No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> I remember because like you're the funny, you're a funny, funny human, right? And I think I love people that just make me laugh and you've always been that. Okay. And you're like, man, I don't, you don't accept that either. But you were... On our softball team of 10 or 12, there's no one that was more funny than you always. You're always cracking jokes and being funny, and it just, I, I enjoy your presence. Oh, thank you. So, I mean, what got you on the path of, you know, being a person that does things for themselves, right? Because I know that you were an employee of many other areas in the creative world, right? You mm -hmm. worked on a really cool project, right? What, what was that one called with? Like it was like the snow machine. Winter project. Winter project, yeah. right? And wasn't was that with like what was the company that was with? Hybrid color. Hybrid color, right? And so, I'm um, you were still technically an employee back then. But when did you take this journey to like start doing things for yourself? Yeah, it was during the pandemic. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, with Ava, it kind of got to a point where like, hey, I have to shelter Ava, and but I also like time's kind of running out. And I want to be able to maximize my time with her and spend as much time as I can um, so that there's no regrets on the other end. You know, I did what I could and I, I made a short term personal sacrifice just to make sure that that I could clear myself of any future regrets. So I quit my job, started my own company. Um, and, you know, the first couple of years or year, you know, it was pretty slow. Um, but then after Ava, you know, I found myself with a lot more time and business has been able to take off. So it's cool to invest in something that's your own. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever can, like think of yourself to be this person that does it all for you and, and, and build a business and be that type of person? Did you ever see that yourself in that? Or is that all something that just was motivated based on your, your situation with Ava? Um, I guess, what do you mean by that? Like, I think some people th consider themselves to be like business owners and they like to start new things. Mm -hmm. They like to, you know, work by the beat of their own drum. Mm -hmm. And there's other people that definitely don't, you know, they like to be told what to do. Sure. You know, did you see anything in your life that, that those things like aligned or was this something that just based on your situation, you went that way because that was the only option. Yeah, I think it was, um, so I had worked for other companies for 10 or so years and I always kind of wanted access to that next level. Like what, what's the business side like? What's, you know, how do I, you know, sell stuff, sell products and sell 
services. And so it was something that I always wanted to do. Um, and then once I started doing it for myself, I was like, you know, this is kind of fun. I mean, it's a new mm-hmm. area where you get to learn something. I was already, you know, I knew a good amount of stuff in the creative world to where it wasn't like as challenging as learning about business and how to talk business with other people and sell. And, um, you know, I'm still learning every day about it. Um, but it's just a new arena that, that I find fun. And as I expand, I'll be looking to kind of swap my time with other creatives that can kind of fill that role. And then I can kind of free up to expand and work on the business and not in it. So I love that. So you have this vision to grow past you and have creatives come in and work under your perspective or your vision or this other thing and then really grow something bigger than that. Yeah. And it's happened pretty quickly. Like I said, I've, I, you know, working in the arena for 10, almost 15 years now, I've seen a lot of people come up, expire, fail, succeed. So I've been able to kind of take notes on why did they succeed? What were some of the qualities that they had to succeed? Um, You know, did they grow too fast, too quickly? Did they not grow fast enough? Did they, you know, so hopefully taking some of what I learned and and putting it into practice. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's it's been an exponential growth since it started and it's just been cool to see. That's really cool. So what are some things that you think are leading to the success that you're seeing right now in that growth or things that you just have seen in the area that you learn from and are not doing, right? You're like, oh, I saw how they did that. That didn't work. What are some of the things that are working for you right now? I think staying lean in terms of uh, contractors instead in in terms of like not having full-time employees just yet um, and then being multidisciplinary. So like I, I film, I edit, I direct, I produce, been in the game for a long time. So I, I kind of know how all the processes work. And if there's something that comes up that I need to just take care of it myself, I, I, I can do it relatively efficiently. Um, and then <clears throat> with my animation skills, um, that helps me tap markets outside of Alaska. So right. um, wearing a bunch of different hats and staying lean. Of all those creative roles, which one do you find the most joy in? Um, So I, in 2014, I moved to Portland to work at a big design studio. And we worked on stuff for Intel and Bing and Portland State University and all the big, big names, big projects. But my job out of eight or ten people that were there was I was the animator. I made things move. That was my one and only job. And it was an assembly line to get to that level and to produce the work that that they were producing, you have a very specific role. That's your job. Right. Uh, and within a year, I got tired of it. I was just like, you know, it's just—it's not very fun to sit kind of in your your little space and do your your one thing. I like being able to do everything. I like being able to film and then later in the week edit, and then the next week just do graphics and animation, and then the next week just produce and plan. So. That's the part that's exciting. Most exciting for me is that flexibility and not having the same thing every day. What are, you know, what's some of the, I guess, where is the joy for you in it? Is it the joy in the planning? Is the joy in the doing? Is it the the final project and seeing the, you know, the end thing go out and seeing people's reaction to that project? You know, what what's some of the areas that you get the most fulfillment from it? Yeah. Um, I think it is a little bit of that, um, parents on Christmas morning, you get to see, you know, their clients or their kids open up presents, that type of thing. Um, being able to deliver something that was just a vision for a client and be able to like hand them something tangible 
And they're like, this is exactly what I wanted. And it's even past what I even explained. I gave you a bunch of mumbo jumbo and you like took this, formed it, understood what to take, what not to take, what to insert. And now I have this thing that I can either use to sell my services or business or in terms of the Adventure for Ava program, you know, this is something that is a time capsule for us and something that we'll be able to watch. They're family memories that people will be able to watch today, tomorrow, five years, 10 years from now. And, um, and that's super exciting for me. With the, the, I think, growing lack of attention spans that people are having, the, like the visual, you know, crazy high-powered computers that are in our hand every single day, what are some things that you're seeing change and evolve around video? Because you obviously spend all the time in there. So I think that maybe you have better insight on that than maybe, you know, my mom. Yeah. Uh, three seconds. You got three seconds. Maybe two. Probably one. <laughs> you got three seconds to grab them. Uh, so uh, when I'm formulating something, it's it's definitely more front end heavy. Um, it used to kind of be like you 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 give some you give the audience something every seven seconds or so. So in a thirty second spot, you've got about three spots that are really cool that grab people because after seven seconds, they're about to lose. Give them something else that's like, whoa, that's really cool, like in terms of animation or motion graphics, something that's really jazzy and, and something different. Um, but now it's like you just really front end load this thing. First three seconds, five seconds has to be like really cool. If, you're, if you had to allocate time and space and energy, throw it on the front end. Yeah. yeah. When you say something cool, like to the average person, what is that? Uh, it's just something visually, um, you know, our audience is very sophisticated now because we digest so much media that even if you can't technically say what's wrong with that spot, you know, the average audience member will be able to be like, yeah, that was a good spot or that was a bad spot. And sometimes it just comes down to cheap tricks, you know, some effects or the way you show something different, new, I think, um, yeah, a lot of the times it's just giving new perspective on things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When it comes to um, the projects that you're doing, currently doing, obviously you're doing more now for yourself. Is there certain ones that you're really enjoying or that you have enjoyed recently that are fun to share? Yeah. Um, I like the tech space, the technology space. Um, I like the color palette that usually comes with it, the blues, the the grays, um, I like just the way things kind of move. They're they're more um, rigid and flow. They just have a, a certain flow to them. Um, so like I'm doing a spot for MTA right now, and uh, it looks really cool because I'm like really invested in just that technology look and feel. So a lot of those those projects get me excited. When you say that, it makes me think of something, and maybe I'm too in the industry to know it, but like you being, would you consider yourself a creative? Sure. And so with a creative, like you, I think sometimes probably have a vision or this idea for something that most people probably don't even have a, even 10% of what maybe that you have when you're talking to people. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself in this weird cycle of like, you have this vision for something and then you show it to someone and then their feedback or their edits diminish it past what you think it could be? And do you ever have a fight with that? Or are you like totally like, 
so much in the place. You're like, no, this is what it's going to be, and you're going to love it, and you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, I haven't run into really any heavy roadblocks or conversations with clients that that go that way. Um, I th- I think um, some of the things that I've really learned over the years is one how to clearly communicate what you're talking about and your vision, and if that means mocking up some things. Um, also, now from a business standpoint, putting myself in their shoes and thinking about what's their goal, what are they trying to do, and is what I'm pitching just cool, or is it going to get the job done? Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing that I've learned is how to sugarcoat things and how to, or maybe <laughs> not sugarcoat things, but like delivery yeah. and how to very politely and um, respectfully kind of approach those conversations and say, like, I know exactly where you're going. I've tried that in the past. These are some of the things that might help us moving forward. Yeah. So for the businesses that you work with, what are some of the major goals that you're seeing? Is there a common thread for the videos that you're creating for them? Or is it all over the place? What are, what are some of the things, like, from a business perspective, that you're seeing people wanting to get, you know, branding and video around? Yeah. Well, especially in the tech space, there's a lot of like acronyms. There's a lots of like um, having to explain what we do and why. Right. Um, so a lot of it comes down to taking a complex idea and just bringing it down to the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk for you know you ingest all this information and all this all this data and all this information and just put it into a easy to chew on 60 second, 90 second video that anybody can understand. That's kind of been the, a lot of what I've been doing lately is just dwindle it down to the lowest common denominator. So mm-hmm. they call them explainer videos. Yep. So you're basically taking a complex idea, making it simple. Are those more for public consumption or is it more for like internal consumption that you're doing those videos for? Um, a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That's awesome. Where, how are you getting, you know, and growing right now? Is it just through word of mouth? Is there, you know, are you being intentional about putting your own content out in certain places? Like, how is that happening? I've been very lucky. Um, word of mouth, and a lot of my clients are repeat clients, right. um, which is great. Um, I've been in the industry for <laughs> a while, um, so. I chuckle because I keep saying that. Um, but thankfully, I, like I've done, I've, I've put a lot of pride into my work basically from the very beginning, even if, you know, what I was doing at the beginning was hot garbage and, you know, looked silly. I still put my heart into it and I wanted it to look cool. And I think just that mentality, I think it comes through. And I think, um, yeah, I think people see the pride that gets in, gets put into the work. And then I also try to make myself easy to work with. And, you know, is this something, you know, the client's pitching something and I don't really agree with it, but hey, I don't have all the answers and I'm not always right. Is this something that I need to push back on, mm-hmm. die on this hill or, hey, sounds good. I'll make that change. Yeah. So it's like knowing when to pick those battles and knowing when right. to, you know. It's, a, it's definitely a hard, hard trade. Right. And, and, yeah. and be being in the marketing world, creative world, doing those same exact things. You know, yeah. sometimes they want it to be this and you're like, ah, based on my experience, it should be this. But, you know, you know, what what hill do you want to die on? Yeah. I love that. And then having the humility to just know that for what it is and then being able to walk away. It's profound. Yeah. 
It's a learned trait for sure. A hundred percent. No, it's, I think more people could learn it for sure. Okay. Well, and so something that you brought up many, you know, a couple times and I, cause you know, obviously you went to business for yourself, but something before that happened is, is you started a nonprofit adventures for Ava. And so can you tell me about that nonprofit, what that is, what you do? I think that's an amazing thing for people to hear about. Yeah. So Adventure for Ava is a nonprofit program that services families with special needs. So we select a family. We take them out on a safe and suitable adventure. We document their adventure with video and photos. And then we deliver a series of um, high-res photos and then a 10-minute film for the family to enjoy. And the purpose for that is for them to be able to have that as an experience the rest of their life, essentially. Yeah, it was the idea that came when we kind of had to walk the path with our own family. And um, when you have a child that is um, that has special needs, um, gaining access to the outdoors is difficult. And when you do get access to that space, it's sacred and it's like... It's, it's worth taking note of and it's worth capturing because you don't know when you're going to find yourself back in the hospital or back inside in therapy or for some of these kids and families that we've served, you know, they may pass on. And these videos and photos could be some of the last documented images of them. So, um, yeah. And how long have you been doing that now? Uh, the program started in 2019. So we're going on four years and we've served... Um, over 12 families so far. That is amazing. Yeah. And so where can people go if they want to support this? Like what can they do to help with you do this? And because it's such an amazing thing. And are you doing serving families and communities just here in the Alaska area or have you already exceeded past that? Currently we are focused on our local community. So families in Alaska uh, statewide. So families can, if they know of a family, they can nominate a family, or they can sign up their own family on the website, which is avastory.org. You can donate to our cause, you can share it, and you can watch the other films from the other families that we've posted. And, um, you know, I can tell you that uh, these films are great for everybody to watch. Um, It's not just people that are in the special needs space. I think for a lot of people and some of the feedback that I've gotten is it it gives people perspective on what other people live live with what other people have to go through. And they're not all sad. There's, there are emotional moments, but I try to make the films show the strength and the love and the perseverance and the power that these families have. And I try to tell these stories in a way that I would want my own story to be told and not from an angle of being a victim or being powerless but just the opposite. And so I think it gives people a lot of perspective and, um, and kind of going back to that old saying, like, uh, you don't know what everybody's going through. So just give, give people grace when you can. Yeah. I love that. It's so important, you know, and that perspective is really powerful, right? Cause I think my saying is, is, you know, when someone gets mad at the traffic or, you know, mad at a coworker for the, the simplest little thing is I think that they just forget how precious life is or they think that they're going to live forever, you know, and I just, I give those people grace even within it, but it just, it helps me ground me, you yeah. know, in, in trying to take in every moment as best as you can. And so is there a story or a, a family that you could just share like with like the experience? Did you like go on a horseback ride? Did you go on like a little Iditarod, like Northern Lights tour? Like, is there something that 
you did is a cool, really like adventure that would be kind of cool to share with everyone. Yeah. So every adventure that we've done, uh, 12 over 12 now at this point, um, I like every adventure because every family and every adventure I can draw a parallel to Ava. And, uh, so each one of them is special in that sense. But I think my favorite story is from Abby. So Abby's family or Abby and her family got signed up. Um, and on our intake form, we have, uh, we take their info and then we learn if this is a terminal, like, is this a time sensitive situation? And she had checked that box. Yes, that is time sensitive. So we quick put together an adventure within a couple of weeks. She loves horses. So we took her on a horse carriage ride and she had just an amazing time and got a horseshoe that day and, um, just had a great time. And so we rushed to put together the 10 minute film, which can usually take a couple of months. Right. Um, and we turned it around within a month <laughs> and, uh, delivered it to her and we delivered it to her while she was in the hospital and so I sent her a private link. She was the only person that had the link. And it was basically to get her blessings on it. Make sure that everything's accurate. Make sure that you're portrayed in the manner that you want to be. And she was in the hospital for a week. She's the only person with the video link. I checked in on it a couple of days later, almost a week later. It had 100 views. And I learned from her mom that she was making all the nurses and doctors watch <laughs> this 10-minute film. <laughs> uh, 100 views in a week. She watched it a hundred times and um, gave us her blessings on it and we released it. And within a couple of months later, she passed away and it was, um, I think that that story's just, um, I like that story because, um, you know, Abby kind of, you know, she went out a movie star, like she always wanted to be a movie star and, mm -hmm. um, and I like that story because I had showed that video um, to one of Ava's nurses. And uh, after she watched the film, she said, with everything that young Abby's going through, you gave her, um, you gave her grace, you gave her dignity. Like she left not a victim and not drowned in sorrow and look at this. And, but it was, she was still out having fun playing with the horses until the very last. And, um, that's important for me. Yeah. I mean, I know why, but you know, can you tell a little bit as much as you want about Ava and the reason why you started adventures for Ava? Yeah. So before Ava's diagnosis at 16 months, we were, you would find us outside myself, her mom, and Ava in a backpack, you know, hiking out somewhere and you would just find us outside. And that's where we, that's, that's where our happy place was. And then she got diagnosed and then she got diagnosed with Tay-Sachs was, which is a genetic neurological disease. And so her body began to shut down. So all motor function, vision, eating. Um, so after a while she was completely immobile, blind and was eating through a G tube and because of that, we were kind of stuck inside. You know, we, we didn't want to take this girl outside. You know, she was very fragile and we had therapies. We were still trying to get her better. And, you know, if she got sick, we would spend a week in the hospital. And it was just like a lot of stuff. And we, you know, finally after a while when we kind of got a, a hold on like how to take care of this person, <clears throat> you know, we knew she had very limited time. 
and your time shouldn't be spent inside and at the hospital. So, you know, we did everything that we could to get her outside and, and to get her, um, you know, the, you close your eyes and you think about, you know, what would make me happy right now? <clears throat> well, it's probably not sitting in the same smell that you're familiar with inside, you know, a house, you know, it's feeling the wind in your hair and feeling the salt from the water next to the ocean and feeling the sun on your face because she couldn't see all those other senses were heightened. So how do you get those? How do you get her excited and how do you give her a life worth living? Right. So we made it our goal to just get her outside and no matter how hard that was and, you know, capture those memories. Those were the ones that we wanted to, to have. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Well, yeah. And I think, yeah, it was just one of those things that <clears throat> after, um, or kind of, I mean, she was still alive when I started the program, but it was one of those things that just kind of kept me up in the middle of the night. You know, how do I turn this, this thing that's, that's painful? How do I channel it into something that's positive, positive energy for me and positive energy for the people that are around me. And, um, I think it just, it, it came down to a sense of duty. <clears throat> you know, I have the why to do this. I have the resources with my, um, filming. So, I mean, it, it basically came down to, this is, I think if you subscribe to the idea that everything happens for a reason, you know, this has to be my reason or this has to be something close. So there are other families that are just like ours that have a hard time getting outside and, you know, making a 10 minute film can be a lot of hard work. I mean, but for somebody that's in that space, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that big of a lift, you mm -hmm. know, for a normal person, it might be hard. Um, but it's really not that, not that, not that big of a deal, you know? Um, so I can do that. Yeah. So. Why don't we, why don't we get these families outside if they can't get outside? Let's get them outside. Let's capture their memories, um, in honor of Ava. Yeah. What, when it comes to that, that, that purpose driven positivity, because I think anyone could give any excuse and not to go that route. Where did that come from for you? Like what, what drove you to look at this and remind yourself everything happens for a reason. There's got to be a purpose, you know, because I, I just don't know if everyone would have looked at it the way you did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it comes down to duty. I think that's, that's the best word I have for it. Okay. You know, I, I think I was just, whether it's your God or an architect or a creator, I, I feel like there's somebody designing this. And I think to go against so many arrows pointing this way to go against it, I think it would be a, a disrespect to whoever that creator is, whoever you subscribe to. Um, yeah, I felt it was my duty. Yeah. I feel like because of my experience with Ava and in the film community, it puts me at a unique perspective um, to tell these stories in a way that, you know, isn't from a perspective of being a victim, you know, I, I think it's very easy to go that route. Mm -hmm. um, but having walked that path, that's not an image I would want portrayed for my family um, because I don't think it's accurate. Right. And I don't think that the other families would want that to be portrayed either. So, yeah, I think it's a duty. 
I think it's incredible, you know, what you're doing, what, what your family is endured. And just for you to say that and then me to be an observer I'm from the outside looking in that no question you guys live that right because you have one other child right right now we have two two now, now. yeah both, just both are carriers of Tay-Sachs but unaffected wow yeah and you guys are always out and about and going and it just it literally puts a smile on my face to see how much you guys go out and do it so what are some of the adventures you guys are currently doing as a family that you guys are high on because like what's the ages of your kids right now uh three and five months yeah three and five months and seeing what you do it just inspires me to get my daughter outside more you know and uh i love being outside but i don't think i can even you know you know, shed a wink to how much you guys get outside with your family. So what are some of the things that you love doing outside right now? Well, right now, Henry's, you know, he's our five-month-old, so he's, you know, in a backpack, front backpack. So there's a little bit of hiking, a little bit of walking. But once he, um, but Reagan, she loves anything and all things outside. She watches videos of me diving, and I know that she just can't wait to get on a pair of fins and and get out in the water. Yeah, I mean, she was... She lived it right there with Ava. You know, we have so many photos of her uh, in the backpack with Ava in her stroller, um, just going for walks. And and sometimes it doesn't have to be, you know, anything really crazy, but just spending time together outside. Um, that's where Kristen and I kind of fell in love. That's where Ava, you know, she always had a smile on her face. Um, and I think Reagan is just by association just... Yeah, getting, getting to appreciate it as much as we do. Yeah, because it's incredible, right? Like, like oh, you it's said, an amazing place. <clears throat> I I heard it. I don't know where it was from, but it was like when your life's rough or something's going on, just go for a walk. You know, go outside and go for a walk and walk for like fifteen minutes. Oh. And the reality is, is that. It, if you go, there's really two options: is it could get a lot, it could get better for going outside and going on the walk, but there's no way it can't get any worse. For going on a walk. Yeah. So just go on a 15 minute walk. Yeah. That's what I heard. And I love that so much because we live a life like we go on literally like when we're buying a new house, like where can we go walk? You know, mm-hmm. because that's something we do as a family. And you know, that's why we love this place is because in the winter you end up having this awesome place to walk yeah. every single day just from your backyard. Yeah. And so it was pretty cool. Um, this adventure, this, this, you've been, since I've known you, you've, that has been something that you've always done. Is that always, did you grow up around that? Like, where did that passion to go outside and, and move and groove and be out in nature like you do? Cause I love it. I wish more people did it, but it just, it seems like we get so stuck in boxes. Yeah. Um, so my dad was a fisherman and he brought me out fishing a lot. Um, my mom was a camper, so we did a lot of tent camping with her. Um, but that was kind of the only two things from either one of those parents. Um, I think just self-discovery, personal self-discovery and just, um, just try not to leave any stone unturned and just, yeah. Yeah. What are some of the funnest adventures that you've done? Uh, let's see, jet ski to Blackstone Glacier. That was pretty fun. Um, uh, scuba diving at Fox Island out of Seward. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty. That was a pretty cool one. Um, yeah, I mean those are the those are the two that that pop up. Yeah, super quick. Yeah. How long you been diving? Or actually, one more is uh, we took a plane to um, 
Colony Glacier, yeah. and we landed on the ice. And then um, I put on my ice skates and skated a mile and a half towards the glacier, right up against next to the glacier. That one was pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah. That is awesome. So uh, diving, because that is quite an adventure, right? Yeah. And I've seen a lot more of it lately. So obviously that's becoming more and more in your repertoire of the type mm-hmm. of adventures you've been doing. So what got, you know, is that always something you wanted to get into doing? Like what, how did that motivation come about? Yeah. So I've always loved the water and with Ava and just our experience with that, um, there was a lot of personal sacrifice and a lot of things that had to be put on the back burner. And I wasn't, I didn't take care of myself a whole lot. I had a 24 hour a day job with her. Um, So myself and Kristen, we didn't really take care of ourselves as much as we should have. And, um, when she passed away, it was just like one of those things where, Hey, I'm, you know, I need to start taking care of me a little bit more. What are some of the things that I want to do? And, um, yeah, I was like, well, let's just put on a dry suit and go, you know, if, <laughs> I'd rather go scuba diving in warm water, but I live in Alaska, so <laughs> yeah. I got to play the, play the hand. So, uh, is Alaska your forever adventure, you know, here versus going in and doing other places? Do you guys see yourself staying here? I think so. I mean, for for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I've moved away a couple of times, but always found my way back here. Are you from here? Uh, for the most part. So born in Germany, Colorado Springs, both parents were the army, and then they made this our home, and then they split up and moved away. So yeah. That's funny how that works. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea and I, like, we're forever here. Yeah. We just love it here, and we enjoy the same. We're enjoying having a kid, you know, because what I found is is in my adventures, because I used to do a lot, but as you start to hike Pioneer Peak, you start to hike all these things, it's like, I'm not a repeat offender. Like, that was never, like, going to that, so I'm excited to experience those things with someone new to be able to go experience those things. Because yeah. when you're a life alone Alaskan and you have done all those things, I, at least for me, it's, it's like going back and doing the same thing over the same hike or the same peak was not as fun. Yeah. Right? Like maybe time, like I used to run flat top for time, right? You know, from parking lot, you know, you know, from car to car. Sure. But, you know, so I'm excited for that. So I definitely see that. I think, uh, so one of the things that was interesting for me is when I quit my job, I kind of had three things in play or right around that time. I had the Adventure for Ava program which is taking other kids out, other families out on adventures. I had Alaska Photo Ventures, which was a TV series on Amazon that basically documented my own personal adventures. And then I had the business side of things where I was doing motion graphics, animation, and filmmaking. And it just got to a point where I was just like running myself ragged. And I was like, okay, I have three things in play. If I'm going to be successful or have a shot at being successful at any of these, I, I got to lose one of them. So I had to lose the photo ventures. So it's my own personal document, documentation of my own personal adventures. But the cool thing is, is I get to take other families out right. and kind of do kind of the same. So it's like, it's not so selfish, you know? Right. It's, you know, and I think it's kind of the same way with you and your daughter. Like now you get to like take her to some familiar places, but to see yeah, her experience. Her experience. For the first time, yeah. So much more yeah. enjoyable, yeah. right? You know, being able to, just like you're talking about, you know, parent at Christmas, like being, that's way more valuable, right? Yeah. Giving something versus or, taking it. Or even if she doesn't realize it right now, she'll no. look back and be like, yeah, my dad took me to some awesome places. Right, and that's the whole goal. So when you, I'd love to focus in on this. I didn't expect to, but you brought it up and I, it, it does really reign true with what I talk about a lot is, is you talked about in that very tough time, you guys didn't take care of yourself as much. Mm-hmm. 
when you say take care of yourself, like what are some things that mean that to you? Because I think that means a lot to a lot of different people. So for you, when it comes to taking care of yourselves and, you know, what you're doing now to take care of yourself, what does that look like? I mean, it was basically everything down to like personal hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. But maybe what are like some of more like the maybe disciplines that you have? Like, are you a healthier person now? Or do you take care of your activity more? Do you watch what you eat more? Do sure. you have a better sleep routine? Like, what are some of those things that you do on a more regular basis now that have maybe added value to your current family and business and all other things? Yeah, I mean, having time to read and dedicating time for my own personal improvement. Um, prioritizing sleep. Sleep is, you know, absolutely the best medication that you can get out there. Um, and I, I just was not, I couldn't sleep. Um, and then mental health stuff, doing stuff that I enjoyed, you know, stuff that, um, that I just love doing, um, socializing with friends. You know, I didn't do a lot of socializing. So it was like, it was just mental health. It was the social aspect. It was the hygiene, including the sleep and, it was just like basically every every facet was just all my energy was all just kind of focused in on one area, and then our own personal relationship between Kristen and I, yeah. you know, it never got never got bad, but we just didn't prioritize each other right. the way a husband and wife should because we were just so focused. You couldn't, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, pray God that you don't have to ever have to go through through something like that again. But you know, it just makes sense, yeah. right? So I don't want to like go through this, but something that I talk about so much is that, that in our times of challenge becomes the opportunities for our next success. And I would say like, that's absolutely true. We, with Ava, you know, adventures for Ava, has there ever been other challenges in life that you've been able to take them and turn them to an advantage or look at them through a positivity to find a word like duty and focus on that, that has other big players or roles in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think depending on your perspective, there's opportunity in everything. Mm -hmm. It's whether you want to, to really accept it and find it and discover it. Um, you know, my parents, split at a very, when I was pretty young. So, um, I became independent very quickly. Um, I also became, <clears throat> um, more of a leader in terms of my relationship with my sister because she's three years younger and it was another kind of duty of mine to look over her and protect her and, and, um, just kind of be a good big brother and, um, <clears throat> when she had passed away from, uh, suicide, it, another thing that kind of came up was, um, making PSAs, leveraging my filmmaking experience to make PSAs for other people to, um, seek help. PSA? Public service announcement. So short uh, films. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then with Ava, yeah, it was, it was kind of the same thing with that. So I think it's, I mean, I don't know if I had to like really break it down. I think it's just, um, finding ways to channel negative energy into something positive. And then I guess just looking at those as not obstacles, but opportunities. Right. In perspective, right. You said working on your perspective. Yeah. Is there anything that you recommend to people to help grow or shift or 
find opportunity to shift their perspective? Because that's a hard thing, right? It's a really hard thing. And I don't know if I have a super strong answer for that because that's something that I work on daily. Because sometimes I can have a really poor perspective. There are some times where I do play the victim card and I'm like, why does this stuff happening to me? Like, I feel like I've taken on like so much and I feel like, you know, it's like you can't stack all the cards against me. Like, why is this happening? And um, you know, a couple of days of that, and then I kind of pull my head out and, you know, kind of, you know, this isn't getting me anywhere. This isn't, you know, this is just, this negative thinking isn't, it's not doing me any good. So yeah. shift your perspective. So it's something that I always work on and I probably will continue to work on. Um, so I don't know if I have any super, but yeah. I don't have any super great advice for anybody else in that same space. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is to just give yourself grace. Yeah. You know, especially, um, you know, myself, I've, I've been through a few traumatic points in my life. Probably everyone, everyone does to varying degrees. We all go through stuff. Um, but I think just giving myself grace and knowing like, Hey dude, like you've been through quite a bit, like you're okay to have a bad day here or there. You know, you can play the victim card for a day or two, you know, and Mm -hmm. then move on. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think, again, if you wrap it into other things, is if you look at it as a duty, it becomes bigger than yourself, which then it's really hard to be a victim or yeah. be in a bad place because you're drawn to, by other people, yeah. right? You know, and I think that if it's if you're just left up to your own devices and it's only you're only affecting you, yeah. it's easy to get into a down place for a longer period of time. Yeah. But if it's for your spouse, if it's for your kid, if it's for your a coworker, if it's for a, a sibling, if it's for a friend, it, it becomes a lot harder to be selfish in those moments. Yeah, and you know, you know, play a pity party. You know, to say, I had a lunch meeting with um, one of my friends, Reese, who is a skiing Olympian, um, and uh, he, I told him what I was kind of going through, and I remember he told me that. He said, wow, you have such an amazing opportunity to, to really rise to this occasion. And, um, and that kind of shifted my perspective. So it's like, yeah, we're going through a really hard time. Um, and I know that the spotlight is on me. And I know that I do have an opportunity to help my family navigate this dark path. Um, and it's how you do it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then funny story, I remember a couple of years after he said that, I told him, I told him about that moment and I thanked him for it. And he said, I said that, <laughs> yes. I said, yeah, I live my life by that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> literally I ro- ro- wake up and I read it and I, that's how I go by my day. Yeah. So he's like, I said that. Yeah. That sounds like something I would say. That's so funny. <laughs> I have definitely had those moments in my life. My sister did it to me the other day. I was like, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> and she's like, it happened. I was like, oh, I mean, I believe you. Yes. I mean, it's a cool story, and I, I'm probably going to tell some people that now, but <laughs> I don't remember doing that. So Sounds like somebody would say, though, for sure. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it, it's so true, though, and I think that it's it's important to know that that we all go through it, like you said, uh, but I think it's even more important to know that, like, how can I use it? Right, because what's ultimately my favorite thing is is that you can either go through it or you can grow through it is a phrase that I use a lot, right? And if you choose to grow through it, then you can help more people along the way, right? And 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 it's through a story of example, Mm -hmm. right? You know, because that's the best thing that 
sells something or helps someone is your a story. Mm-hmm. Because I think our life is stories. Sure. You know, little ones, big ones. It's just a series of them. And so you have several stories that you've grown through that I think we don't even know. We're both pretty young, you know, in the age of life, mm-hmm. you know, that there's probably going to be a lot more impact along the way because of what you've grown through. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. So when it comes to you know, future, you know, you said success, like it's a, only a couple things can be successful, you know, adventures for Ava business. What's, what's success look like for you? Because you, that is only defined by you. And mm-hmm. I love, that's why I love the word success because I love hearing it from others. And so what are, what's success for those two things? Balance. Okay. Unpacked. What's that? Unpack that. Balance. Um, yeah. I mean, balance for me, success is finding balance through, career through philanthropy through your personal life family life um it's i mean it's very hard to find that balance and i'll always kind of be weighing one way or the other um you know i don't need to be super successful in business i don't need to be i don't need to have this nonprofit that's you know the red cross of nonprofits um I want to be able to make a small impact on people around me. I want to be a leader for my family. I want to um, do what I love and make enough money to support my family and myself. Um, I want to live a life of purpose and passion and, um, and, and leave a net positive impact when I'm done, when my time's up and, um, yeah, so I think it's it's finding that balance of legacy and career and um, and knowing that I'll never reach the pinnacle of any one of those verticals. But if I can just you know do a few of those things and do them well enough that you know they keep me happy and keep the others other people around me happy, and I think that's what sex, success is for me. That's amazing, is it? Yes. What did I say? I blacked out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> this went dark. Uh, I mean, what you said is, is you want to, you want to be a leader for your family. You want to be able to make enough to do what you love. Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to make enough impact on the people that come around you that it's a net positive for them, you know, after you're gone, Mm -hmm. you know, in a legacy and you want to be able to balance that. And you even had, I think what's important is, is you know, that it's a pendulum. This balance thing is it's not perfectly, right? You know, not all three of those or four of those are going to be perfectly at the same time, right? And one's maybe a little bit higher. Hey, it's a little lower. Okay, now I got to go over here, get that one up and just juggling that balance. But the fact that you're where you are, given what you've gone through and that is the focus is incredible because I think too many people get caught in a rat race of making more money or doing more good and they just don't have a an understanding of what they could do today for it. And I think they get stuck in the pipe dream of what it could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that I view a lot of people doing a lot of things and the actions that I see you doing is you're just living it out, right? And then you're going to let the, the, the test of it all be, you know, after it's all said and done, which mm-hmm. is the end of life, yeah. right? And it's, it's pretty amazing to see where you're at right now, given what you've gone through. And I would probably argue that you're probably just thinking that or just feeling like you're just getting started. Yeah. I think one of my, 
one of my best qualities is sometimes maybe um, something that I can work on is uh, whatever it is, I just kind of follow my heart. So I don't really think all the things through 100%. Like if I were to say, hey, I'm going to start a nonprofit and knowing what I know now, back then, would I have started it? Yeah, I'd still start it. But I would have thought about it a little bit more because it's a lot of work to, to be doing something like that. And I think just whatever it is, I think just, like I said, purpose and passion, like I just want to be able to follow what I want to. And even if that takes me to a dead end, like at least I know that I tried. And, yeah. um, you know, especially having seen death so close, so up close and personal um, throughout my whole life, uh, very close friends, family members, daughter, sister, um, I think it all comes down to limiting future regret. Right. For me. When you say limiting future regret, like what play that out? Like what, what would you, if you didn't it a different way would create regret? <clears throat> yeah. I mean like even like with Ava, like if I continued working at this job and I was taken away from her for 40 hours of week, and then, you know, she passes away, would I regret that? Um, if I didn't, you know, say I love you to my wife when she walked out the door and something happened to her, would I regret that? Mm. Um, I think it comes down to a lot of things, which I don't do enough to. I, I still need to work on that. But yeah. I guess it's the perspective thing that, that yeah. I'm always kind of working on. It's No, that's really good. And I mean, that's, I think you are doing great at it because you know, you're constantly working at it and you're not going to be perfect. I think anyone that's like, no, it's, you got to do this and this is what you do like that. No, I mean, it is a constant battle, you know, of perception perspective is what I've always said. Your perception controls your perspective. And so figuring out how do you take in different inputs to change what feeds that perception, which then changes your perspective. Is always an important balance, you know. And so the fact that you're already aware of that just means that you're doing such a good job at it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Then you know when you said, um, I'm trying to go back because you unpacked it so much there. Um, man, I just lost my place. But when it comes to uh, legacy, you said that too. Is there anything more that you think of in legacy when it comes to, you know, where is there other things down the road outside of what you're currently passionate about and you're pursuing that you kind of want to try to claim in the future or you maybe see as a bigger picture that you're maybe not working on right now? In terms of career or personal or? Both. Yeah. Um, You know, I think, you know, I think it's just, it's leaving a net positive impact for the people that we're able to serve through the Adventure for Ava program. And then I want my kids to, you know, know that, um, you know, I, I took them outside and showed them a good time and, and let them make mistakes. And um, I think when you become a parent, you look back on your parents and kind of grade them, <laughs> right? You said it, not me. I mean, <laughs> yes. I think we all do, yes. right? Or maybe that's just a me thing, but um, you know, I kind of unbox my life and and where I am today, and why is that? And when you're younger, you look at your parents, and they're just they're superheroes. They're larger than life. And then you get older, and then you start having kids, and then you find out, wow, they're just like they're just trying their best, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. Um, and so I'm I'm trying to learn from those experiences and what 
good they brought me, how they positively impacted my life. Because really, I mean, you're shaping somebody's trajectory from zero to 10 years old. You have a major impact on where they're going to end up when they're 40 or 50 or, you know, 20 or whatever. So I, it's just setting them up on the right trajectory and um, just giving them some great memories to, to remember. And that's such a profound way to look at it. Again, you know, taking it from that lens, you know, because I don't think all everyone does. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people just get stuck into trying to figure it out. You know, they have kids and they're yeah. just trying to figure it out. You know, yeah. they don't actually try to take away from what they did to their kids. I know that's, you know, what I did for me. It's a big importance. Like, I love my parents. I do. I love my parents. Talk to them regularly. They're still together, you know, and that's questionable, you know, <laughs> love you mom and dad, but <laughs> you guys have, uh, you guys have gone through a lot and, uh, just being so focused on being present. You know, my dad was, you know, he worked on the slope. He was a slope worker. So you're obviously familiar with that. So, you know, in 18 years of life, you saw him nine, I saw him nine. Yeah. And that's if I saw him the whole time. He was also a hunting guide. Yeah. So he was a very adventurous person too as well, which yeah. hunting guides are gone from, you know, August to October, yeah. you know, so three months there. So now I saw him, you know, four and a half in an 18 year span, yeah. you know, if I saw him all their days. And so like, I love my dad. My dad did a great job at doing what he doing. He was trying to figure it out, but it just like, I will be present. I will miss, ev- I will not miss any one time opportunity or experience in that and I know that she'll benefit greatly from that you know and so I think I think that's it's a a wise thing to do and I just don't think a lot of newer or younger parents actually probably look at it like that I do think that they probably judge based on what they do but I don't know if they actually try to take out like takeaways from that and then apply it you know yeah so here's a question for you looking at your parents and judging what they did right versus what they did wrong, what do you take more out of? Do you, did you learn more from what they did wrong or more from what they did right? Yeah, it's 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 not even close. It's what they did wrong. Yeah, yeah. And again, I I have I have a relationship with both my parents. I've worked very hard on that. You mm-hmm. know, there's there's definitely a lot of checkers in that past for me there. Um, but I have one parent that is a narcissist and there's, there's a lot of work that goes through that. There's a lot to learn from that. Um, and it's been that, you know, I give full credit to my parents where they did right. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom loved me in such an amazing way. She, it's probably too much, you know, and like didn't focus on herself. Right, didn't focus on herself, maybe coddled, you know, too much, you okay. know, maybe created maybe a little bit of hypochondriac, you know, self-call out there, you know, <laughs> myself, maybe, maybe, but there's there's benefits to all these things, right? It's a trade, right? You could do too much of one thing and it can create one thing that's a bad, but it also can create something that's a good. Sure. So, you know, I think like putting your child on the top of the world and like baby them and take care of them can probably create a hypochondriac, but it also can create an incredibly confident person, right? Yeah. Because if they, if all you hear all day long is you're amazing, you can do everything you want to do and they support you in that and they give you room and space to fail, like it creates a pretty confident individual, yeah. but it also creates other things on the side. So just understanding what that trade is mm. from there. But personally, it's no question. Like I love my parents. I They're amazing grandparents, but a lot of what they did, I would not do. Mm-hmm. That's fair to say. Right. You know, and we get to have fun grandparent, parent, 
debates slash, you know, heated conversations about that with, <laughs> with kids after the fact. And that's okay. You know, but it, that's me is yeah. it was not to do. What about you? Yeah. yeah, it was the same. Um, they did, they did do a lot of things right, but, um, they also, they had me when they were 21. So they weren't even Young. really adults right. yet. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely made their fair share of mistakes. And <clears throat> so I think right now, with parenting, with running business, with running a nonprofit, I use the analogy of I'm just trying not to make headliner mistakes. <laughs> I know I'm going to make mistakes. I just don't want the big, traumatic, you know, mistakes, the right. things that you're going to see in a newspaper or something. I love that. Headliner so, mistakes. Yeah. We'll avoid those. Yeah. Anything else, we'll take it. Because yeah. the reality is you're going to make more mistakes than probably successes in right. life. Yeah. You know, just but, you know, making sure that you're being aware of that. Yeah. And I think that gives freedom to probably make the right type of mistakes to learn from if you know you're going to fail, yeah. right? Like, because there's there's a lot of opportunity in it. Yeah. Well, and it puts more concentration on just stay away from this target of things. The, right. The battalions. <laughs> right. No, for sure. Yeah. You know, and I think I love this story. And this is, I don't know if you've heard this, but like there's two kids and one's the successful business person, happy family, all of this. And then the other one is the alcoholic, right? And they, homeless. And they both ask him, you know, what made you turn out the way you turned out? Yeah. And their answer is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was an alcoholic. Yeah. And I find that to be very true in my life. Mm. I have a sibling and we're very different in many ways. And I think that at every point that she would point to a reason why she's had a difficulty or a challenge, it was to the the life that we were raised in. And I would agree with that. And I would say that's why, you know, I look at it this way to be successful. And again, that's the power of perspective. Perspective, yeah. Yeah. And I don't I don't know the whole story behind um, you and your sister, but, um, in terms of, uh, a lot of other things, um, most of the people will repeat the cycle. So whatever they were basically imprinted on, um, they will just repeat it, whether it's, you know, abuse or substance or any number of things. Um, the easiest way is to repeat. Yeah. And she's really aware of it, you know, and my sister and I are really close. She's nine years older than me. And so like, there's a whole bunch of challenges in that self, you know, too, as well. You know, it's, it's hard to have a relationship. We've grown really close now, you know, now that we're much older, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard for a nine year old and 18 year old to be, you know, close. It's just, you're in literally two different worlds at that time. Right. You know, so, but now being in mid thirties and she's in her forties, we're very close now and she's done a really good job and she's, you know, seen therapy and she's really taking a lot of ownership. And so she's done amazing things, you know, as of recently, and she's got three kids, um, and she's doing a really good job at, you know, and she definitely learned, you know, we, we joke around it a lot when we talk is like, I remember when mom and dad did this. Yeah, we do this instead. And so she's, she's done a really good job at making that her sole focus. Mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, just like my mom though, that, you know, and she'll even admit it is the kids are everything. Right. And I think a lot of moms, especially put the kids so much in paramount when right. 18 kids leave the house, like you have to live a life. Yeah. past being a parent, right? You know, a parent is a part of you. It's not all of you. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents get stuck in that trap too as well. Yeah, yeah it's easy to do. I know with uh, Reagan, one of the things is uh, because she's our only other girl, it 
it is hard not to like overly protect her Mm -hmm. because that's kind of our, our last little girl. And, um, so it is really hard for me to like watch her know that she's going to inflict some pain on herself, but letting her make that mistake and learn from it. Cause she's a really smart girl. She'll understand, but it's like, I'm going to let her make that mistake and hurt herself in a controlled space or I can, you know, yeah. or it can happen somewhere else where it's not so controlled and where it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Right. Like I, we definitely subscribe to the phrase like anti-fragility. I don't know if you've read, there was a book I read on it and okay. it was like, it was explaining like the very thing that you try to protect your child from will only create more pain for them in the future. Sure. The longer you, it's like you protect, you protect, you protect, you protect, and then eventually something even bigger yeah. will harm them. And they have a lot of philosophies. They talk about like, uh, you know, a, like, you know, plastic wear, right? Like having all this plastic wear in your house and don't have a kid with plastic wear. It's amazing how profound if you give a kid a glass and they're sitting in their high chair and it's a glass glass and they Mm. throw it down and it makes that bang and it does that. It's amazing how much that scares them. Sure. And then they're like, ooh, guess what? You give them a glass again, do you think that they just throw it down again? No. No, they've learned from that, that unfragile space that a repercussion happens from that. And so it's all about doing it in a controlled environment. Obviously it doesn't like go out and like make your kids do crazy things and get hurt and break their necks, which I mean, I've posted videos that I do stuff with Jordan on social media. And I mean, I have one video right now. It's, I I actually just can't, I can't even look at it anymore. I think it's gotten 400,000 views and all it is, is I take Jordan and I have like 20 pillows on our bed Uh and she's running to me and I'm grabbing her by her armpits and throwing her about, uh-huh. Two and a half feet uh-huh. into the pillows. Uh-huh. And the amount of people that are going crazy about how I'm going to break my daughter's neck, yeah. how she's going to bite her tongue off. Yeah. I mean, it is insane. And all I'm trying to do is create an environment where like in controlled environments, you can do dangerous things and it can be really fun mm-hmm. in controlled environments mm-hmm. and allowing for mistakes or bumps or bruises to happen along the way. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. We took her to the pool and... Uh, my wife and I were kind of arguing, or not arguing, but we had differences of opinion. Philosophies. Yeah. yeah, and I said, I don't think she needs a life jacket on. Like, she's three. Like, she stays in the small area of the pool. Um, I'm shadowing her the entire time, but it's an opportunity, again, that word, opportunity, it's an opportunity for her to gain respect of the water. If she puts on a life jacket right away and she just floats, she's not going to understand that there are consequences, that water can be dangerous if you don't respect it. And of course, she took a couple of dunks and she swallowed some water, but she's a smart girl. She figured it out. And she learned from it. Literally two days later, she slipped and she was going down. She held her breath, went up to her eyes, popped back up and started laughing about it. And I thought it was just like, yep, well, you're a smart little girl. We are, I mean, obviously living on the water, we are hyper-focused on creating the best awareness around that just because of how dangerous that can be, you know, for children. But I I totally agree with you. It's like you have to create those controlled environments for them to learn it for themselves because I don't think it's our job to protect our kids from the world. I think it's our job to prepare them to live in the world, and I don't think protecting them works because the world is very harsh. Yeah. You know. And it's even, I mean, it's it's even harder when you have lost a child because you just want to bubble wrap sure your kids I, and not take them anywhere but it's like you're robbing them of an experience if you can't let them you know get their feet wet in a puddle or you know something more more harmful but yeah it's hard it's a hard thing to do i catch myself too i'm like don't do that i'm like ah, i mean that's kind of a normal thing kids do i guess you could go do it that's so good i mean 
and you're right, it's double double challenging given yeah. the situation. Yeah. And you got a boy, so I mean, you just got to make sure that you don't just like, you know, put that kid through the ringer and then protect the daughter like crazy because we know that that's probably you know the trade there. Yeah. So, so it's two and done, or yeah, two and done, two and done. That's it, yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm trying for two. I'm trying. We'll see what happens, but. Cool. But yeah, because we were never going to have kids. So that's the thing. So, well, I guess, you know, the last thing I'd like to end this with is, you know, what's a, what's a great piece of advice, Dan, that you recommend to people, you know, that is, is had an impact on you and you'd like to share it with others? You know, you pitched me that question and I don't know, <clears throat> I thought about it and one thing kept coming up and I don't know if it's something that I would recommend for everyone, but it's more of something that I just kind of, I guess, live by. Sure. Um, and it was something that I read out of a calisthenics book. It was some dude who was just like put on a weighted vest and would just do like crazy calisthenics. And he wrote a book about it and he was like a pretty hard nosed like dude. And I just remember the one thing that stuck out with me as he was talking about results and he said, uh, Winners will find a way. Losers will find an excuse. Mm -hmm. And I know that's on the nose, but it's just something that like I always like just think about. And you know, I love that you can either get it done or you can make an excuse for why you couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I know that's just like super like harsh, but that's just like something that harsh truths are so important, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, something that Chelsea hates that I use, but it's very similar to that. It's like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, no, that's a good one. How you do anything is how you do everything. And really I good. it catches me all the time, right? Like when you throw a piece of trash and it falls up behind the can, you're like, oh, I'll get it later. Right. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's how you do it. Yeah. Or you get it you know, you get out of bed and you know, the bed, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not gonna make the bed today. And then you walk back and you're like, Man, I you know, I need to make the bed. I mean, it, it catches me twenty times a day. Yeah. Just doing a little bit more. And I think that that little bit more, those harsh truths make a big impact in your week, in your month. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. And I've, and I've noticed like, especially when I had three things in play or like trying to build when I haven't quite equalized something else, you know, or put that on the right path or solve that problem completely. And then I jump to something else. It's like, um, now I'm doing something kind of half-ass and and then it's going to fail. And then it's like, why am I even putting my time into it? So it's like, yeah, why don't, you know, how Give it you your all. Everything, yeah. Give How it you your do all. Anything, yeah. And the judgment that you have on yourself when you don't do it your all just kills you later, right? The mental real estate. Yeah. You know, if you do something half butted and like it just doesn't work out, and you're probably going to beat yourself up more after the fact, and it, then if you would have just probably done it right the first time. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I love too is uh, it's kind of the same, kind of the same one, but different. Uh, tough times don't last. Tough people do. Yeah. I love that one. It's really good. Yeah. Because yeah. life's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know it more than most. Life is tough, you know, and I think it's important to embrace that. Yeah. Well, it can, it can, yeah, it can break you down or it can build you stronger. Life doesn't get easier. You just get stronger type of thing. Yep. And it's all about the perspective of that you look at it, right? Like, I think people hear the word tough and they put a, a bad thing on it, right? Like, they're like, yeah. they think tough is a hard word, like, or accountability or, yeah. or failure or hard. You know, these are all words that I find being very impactful in a positive way in my life. But I think a lot of people hear those words and they have a negative connotation to that. You know, people are like, oh, it's so hard. Yeah. 
Or you can say, I'm excited how hard this is because it's going to challenge me in a way that's going to make me grow. Yeah. And those words impact or deep roots in, in your soul, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I think what the, some of the things that I've been through has made me tougher. Sure. But, I mean, just from sitting down, I mean, and talking about some of the things, I'll cry. I'll, I, I'm quick to cry. I'm a crier. <laughs> and when I edit these films, I cry. There's every single film I've edited for Adventure for Ava, I've cried at some point. Um, whether it was sad or just beautiful or something that I could relate to. Um, I think that there's a lot of empathy that comes with some of that stuff. It's like you realize what other people are going through and it just hurts your heart to like have to see another family struggle or a kid struggle. And it's like, yeah. So I think sometimes with toughness comes, if you would call that weakness, I don't know. If they but weak, but, uh, but I mean, I don't think it's, I think knowing your weaknesses and being really open about those weaknesses make you strong. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Right. And I think empathy is one of the most powerful things that I think more people need to actually like learn how to use the right way. And we've had, I've had some long conversations on the podcast about empathy with people that are way better at it than I am. But, um, I think, and I, this is true for me, is, is I'm a crier now more than ever before. And I think it, it, the only thing I can think of is it's since I've been, has I really turned into having a family and I have a daughter. I don't know what it is about things, but you read things or see things and it just hits you in such a different way. Yeah. You know, like Chelsea put this like documentary on Netflix the other day. And it was about that family in like South Carolina, the lawyer family or whatever. I can't remember the name of them, but they were like doing really corrupt stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. It's a really popular one right mm-hmm. now. And uh, she put it on and the one daughter dies, right, in the boat accident. Yeah. And I like start crying. And like I am not like a crier like that, but I'm like crying because the only thing I can do is think about my daughter, sure. you know. And so, I mean, she softened me and I think in a really good way. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I look at it as a really powerful thing now because it, it helps me lead people differently, mm-hmm. right, softer approach, which then enables a whole other audience of people that I can – impact in a positive way mm-hmm. other than being just this harsh person sure. you know and so i'm very grateful for it yeah. so well dan this was an amazing one and i can't tell you how glad that you said yes i'm very grateful to have you on well thank you thank you for the opportunity i mean i think it was just nice just to just to talk and especially to talk about like some deep stuff i think a lot of people um kind of shy away from conversations like that. And it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who kind of welcomes like a deep conversation. And I think for me, I would much rather, yeah, have a deep conversation with somebody than to just like talk about the weather and talk about like, you know, let's have a conversation. So I, I, I did have fun in this. Thank you very much. I'm so glad because, and I'll, I mean, the motivation why I invited you on was if Dan can do what he's doing, anyone can do what they want to do. Because I think people choose reasons to not do what they should be doing or they want to be doing, right? Because I live in a life of passion, right? You talked about that. And I think that there's a whole bunch of people out there that could be hairdressers, bee farmers, barbecuers, whatever they would want to be, but they're working in a cubicle. Mm-hmm. And they're not choosing to do the hard things in life to get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And I can promise you any person that wants to be that and they hear your story and you're doing what you're doing, a passion, a purpose, you know, living a life of duty for your family. And you are still a happy person that laughs and and tells jokes. And if you can do it, and I don't want to like diminish this because what you've done is incredible, but I do believe we're just people. Mm-hmm. And if you can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. 
not everyone's going to. No, but um, yeah, I, there's a lot of things that can be taken away from you in this world, but your perspective is one of those things that can never be taken away from you. You can lose it, you can give it up, but it can't be taken away from you. So uh, cherish that and lead your life with purpose, passion, and limit future regret. That's all you can do. I love it. Well, with that, we'll mic drop. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, Ken.